The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. A real Greek salad, a simple dish called dakos, and using your tattoo to get a passport. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, and this week we're talking to Nora Dunn, the professional hobo about the island of Crete. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome hey, to the winemakers. Hey. <laughs> And uh, that's Bart Hansen. Uh, <laughs> John Myers just signed off. He's uh, he's on leave. And uh, Sam Katuri may be popping his head in and out. And also uh, Jeff Cohn, possibly. It is his birthday, uh, you guys. I don't know if you know that. But we uh, we wanted to do a show this week about Grenache, and so we thought we'd invite on some Grenache masters. So we got a pretty cool panel lined up. Um, we've got Casey Graybell, um, the Grenacheista got David Mounts who I mean you guys have almost become the Tablas Creek of the of Northern California with your Rhone varietal plantings on your property it's just amazing to see I mean they even have Claret and Berbalonk and Tret Noir Sandra it's pretty crazy and then of course Peter Mathis I mean Peter Mathis Grenache is uh the love of his life <laughs> besides Nina I'm assuming <laughs> Be careful. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, normally we, we get together, the, what is it, the third week in September, we all end up seeing each other for International Grenache Day. But being the the number one planted grape in the world, I think Grenache still doesn't quite get enough uh, attention around here. And, you know, I was just looking up the, the origins of Grenache because you know, we've talked about on the on the podcast before that, you know, Spanish people will say northern Spain and Aragon and, you know, French will say southern France. But I, I saw a study from 2002 where in Sardinia they uh, they did an archaeological dig and there was some clay pots that they dug up that supposedly were some preserved grape seeds that were DNA tested and they were canonized. So that's like over 3000 years old. So I guess they got the claim to fame now. I don't know if that's true. We can talk about that if you guys um, have seen that or not. But uh, well, Sandra, since you are, yeah, you are sort of our the glue that that holds the the Grenache together in Sonoma. It used to be. It used to be. Right now, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. It's not Elmer's glue. It's like that paste. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I uh, can't wait to um, unleash our hundreds of bottles of Grenache out to the world again <laughs> from all of you. Um, yeah, I just, it, it is my favorite grape still. And um, I love the nuances that each winemaker can do to make it their own. And I find that more interesting, you know, like when you drink cab, 
I feel like they could be one big thing a cab and they're almost the same unless you just spent $600 and then it has to be the best thing you ever drank. But Grenache allows you to have expression and I think that's really remarkable. And I think you could blindfold a lot of people with a lot of different Grenaches and they probably would pick wrong wines, I think. Well, and it plays so well with others. That's what I love about Grenache too mm -hmm. is that you know, it's, it's not heavy tannin, um, and, and it makes great, a great blending grape, whether you're doing Grenache Blanc or, um, or Grenache Noir. Well, let's get into it. Who, um, can, we, can we start with uh, Dave? Um, you got your, your property over there in Dry Creek Valley. You want to tell us a little bit about the winery and how it all got started? It's been a, it's been a hot few days, I'll tell you that. Um, well, my, my family, my grandfather bought this property 75 years ago plus. Uh, back then it was, um, can you hear me all right? It was mostly yeah. all, uh, it was prunes, there were some grapes, but they were, they were fairly worthless at the time. Um, fast forward 50 years, my father is born, um, starting in the late 60s, prunes were phased out. Grapes became a little bit more valuable, um, and so after college in the late 60s, he was plant, replanting too. Um, and for the longest time, like most growers in the valley, uh, you sold your grapes to Gallo, so you kind of just planted what the Gallo machine told you to plant, and was it the right thing to, to grow? Probably not. As I'm becoming older myself, nearing 50, I, I see there's a lot more possibility for this, this valley in the county than just Cabernet's in and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, so when I was in college in the late 90s, I, I started exploring Casa Robles. Uh, and my first winery experience was Beaverly with a delicious Viognier. I'm like, what, what the hell is this thing? And, Grenache and Syrah and I'm like why are more people doing this in, up in Northern California and I don't want to call them old farts but you know I just I got, I got the idea to be more uh, diverse in, in what my family was farming and my dad is really open-minded to things so we put the first Grenache in the ground in 2005 um, we're now up to about seven acres but yeah, I, I took it from there. I went, I went deep. I mean, I went, I've got 13 rooms on the property. Um, I had a new one a couple of years ago, Vacarides, which is a beautiful grape to grow, vine to grow. Um, and in the beginning, I was making, I was kind of a Grenache purist, <clears throat> but I, uh, my wife and I visited France a few years ago and, and realized you don't have to be a stickler about Purity. So, you know, they, I love the blends, you know, the, the Morbet and the Strah that they add in Vigandas and, and Minute the Pots just, just make a more complex wine. So, you know, I'm always evolving and tweaking things. And, but I do love the diversity of Grenache, <clears throat> not only as a, a red wine, but of course there's Morbet. And um, I started a project seven years ago making a uh, Grenache and Grenache Blanc is a sparkling base. Uh, so there's just a lot of possibilities with it. Um, it's a, 
it is a pretty easy grape to grow, but uh, yeah. And what, what kind of soils are you guys growing on there? So most of Northern California are clay-based, loam, sandy loam, um, pretty low in pH. Um, we don't particularly have the calcareous soils of the Mediterranean, France, Italy, um, or, or parts of the Central Coast. Um, but I do believe that a lot of the soils we have are very volcanic, very iron-rich. And I've found over the years that it adds a lot of power and a lot of minerality to the wine. Um, have to be a little careful with the acidity because even though it's an acidic soil, it doesn't necessarily translate to wines. So we have to be careful not to lose that, especially in really warm vintages. Uh, but all hillside, all the vines are all all stressed as they can be. So. Um, Dave, Dave, just as a kind of reference for the listeners, can you tell us uh, like what you're, where you're so situated in Dry Creek? Maybe some references, um, what, where you lay. So we're like in, we're like in the central part of the valley, uh, on the west side of the valley. So we're, you've ever been out here to um, Dry Creek General Store? We're just due west of that. Neighbors okay. like Raffinelli, Unti. Right. Uh, Kind of our own little pocket back where our ranch is. Um, it kind of stretches. It's 140 acres, so it goes that deep into along Wine Creek, which borders the the mountain range on the west side, all the way back to Dry Creek right. itself. So it's a large property, a lot of diverse soils, microclimates. Cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, Dave, it's been a while since I had one of your Grenache. I've been away from the girl and the fig for a while, but what I remember about your 100% Grenache, it was a sort of a bigger style, more powerful. Uh, and, and I don't know if that was just a particular vintage that I was drinking. Um, and what kind of oak treatment do you guys do? Yeah, and I've, I've gone through the, the ringer. I've gone through the trials. I've, you know, I've tried everything. I've, <laughs> but wait a minute. I'm not, these are my college days. Hold on. I've tried all the yeast drinks. I've tried all the different barrels. I've tried all kinds of stuff. Um, initially, I was using a little bit more uh, new new wood, uh, but I've I've greatly backed off on that. I've gone to using larger format uh, casks and um, Demi Muse, and um, really backing off of, of anything new uh, in terms of barrels. It's just that Grenache just absorbs it too too easily. Um, more Venice Syrah. Uh, can handle a little bit, little bit more of the of the newer uh, barrels, but uh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to mask the fruit. Right. I have a question, um, Dave. What do you think when you taste um, Casey's wine from your vineyards? That's a great question because I just enjoyed a bottle last night of his team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but like, do, do you think his wines come out like really different? Like, are you doing such different things um, that the wines are real distinguished? Do you ever question um, whether you should sell them the grapes anymore? <laughs> Please buy my grapes. Uh, his, uh, I, I opened his 
came last night, and I know that was the, the year we both started using a lot of whole cluster uh, stem inclusion. Um, and I thought his wine, his wine was very ethereal, very pure, very um, just great pure purity of fruit. It wasn't. Um, I thought it was really balanced. I mean, we were fighting to finish the bottle off my wife and I, and um, I, I, uh, it, it was very, it was similar to my 16. Maybe I maybe have a little bit. Mine is a little bit more organic in terms of my my maceration time and whatnot. But I think we vary a little bit. Uh, but it's neat to try other wines made from the same block. Kind of fun and, to do that. It, it's a different color. Some of our what Casey eyes is uh, not necessarily what my Grenache blends ends up being. I, I have about five different Grenache blends, and they can be completely different, differently expressive. Um, so it, it depends on the style of the winemaker and what you're trying to achieve. And Peter, I tried to pick up a bottle of your Grenache Rosé today at Glen Ellen Market. I was thinking for sure that they carried it because I thought I'd seen it at Sonoma Market before. But they didn't have, they didn't have any of your rosé. I did see a bottle of uh, Valeria Bart on the, uh, on the wall there with a really nice little tag write up about it was like a night, it was like a hundred and two point wine or something. Did you write that thing yourself? Uh, that was all just data that was uh, found in public publications, uh, and and all true all true things, Brian. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's a nice new placement for me there. Um, right. I think I saw that um, Todd, uh, Todd Jolly's doing something on Rosé today. And I, Peter, I think he had your, your Rosé in the picture there. Is your new Rosé been released, your 19? No, they're still, uh, they're in the... 18. I mean, 18? They're in the 18, yeah. I haven't released the 19. Okay. In the next few weeks that I'm going to release. Okay. And Peter, tell us a little bit about your vineyard, because you have you have just about seven acres as well, I think. Correct. Yeah, I've got a, my vineyards on the side of uh, the Mount Veeder, just in the very bottom of the Moon Valley, Moon Mountain Appalachian. A lot of very famous vineyards that kind of spill down that hillside. Um, Hansel, Rancho Salina, and uh, and. Uh, the Moon Mountain Vineyard, sorry. Monteroso. Um, those are the most famous ones. Um, but they're all really nice red wine grape sites. The soils are very um, they're volcanic in nature. There's a lot of rocks. My vineyard has a lot of basalt and some uh, rhyolite rocks and some volcanic tooth as well. I think it. Anyway, it's just really nice uh, red wine uh, soil and nice south uh, southwest exposure. Very well drained. Um, Jeff, it's a it's a fun place to grow grapes. I really like. It. Oh, okay. Can I call you back? Okay, thanks. Thanks. Oh, sorry guys. I just got word that my daughter's clarinet is ready to get picked up at the music store. We stopped the show. <laughs> it's she she had a her clarinet broke right as we came out you know went into uh, uh distance learning and uh we had to go get a 
get a loaner from the school, but we had to go return it uh, the other day. So uh, that's all good news. Uh, get her back playing her clarinet. And Peter, you had to cut down a couple trees, right, for your vineyard? I did. I had to clear the land. It was <laughs> forested uh, when I got here. Long caveman-like process. And you did it all yourself? I did, yeah. I, I cleared all that land myself. It took me um, over a year of weekends. Clearing. And this is, this is while you were working at uh, Ravenswood? Yeah, that's right. It was in... I bought that land in 1997. Uh, yeah, 1997, and uh, I didn't finish the clearing project until the spring of '99. Jesus, and you're also selling some fruit to uh, Casey. Is that Casey? Is that the first Grenache that you had sourced was from Peter's Vineyard? No, it was actually from Dave. Okay, he was first in line. And and then I noticed that you're also getting a little bit from uh, Mendocino. I, uh, it's true. I, I buy some fruit from Alder Springs. Um, and steadily I've been adding some vineyards. Last year I got some Sierra Foothills fruit. Um, and this year uh, we're adding Gibson Ranch up in Mendocino and um, Radiant Ridge in the Bennett Valley. So I'm trying to add a vineyard a year until I have too much. Yeah. Well, tell people a little bit about your history because you're officially now the Grenachista, which those of us that, you know, are into wine have seen the, you know, the fist raised for years. But we had, just tell us how you somehow acquired that. I just grabbed it. <laughs> and what does that mean? How do you do that? Um, I think it's pretty cool, actually, to be referred to that nowadays. Um, uh, the original label was C.R. Graybell, which is a family tradition. I'm actually the sixth C.R. Graybell. Um, the name's always changed, but it was the initial C.R. Graybell. And that was the original label, and, and that was the first uh, three years. Uh, and it just didn't fit the wines. It didn't fit me. Um, and, you know, I don't think that selling Grenache with a standard classic label and making kind of classic wines really, it, it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. I, I, I think it works for other people, but um, it, it, more or less, I, it, I was drowning, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, and so in 2015, I just figured that something needed to change. Uh, otherwise, it, it, it was a waste of time. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have a stepbrother who's a graphic designer. Um, so, so we started talking about, you know, what we could do to, to make it more, what's the word, edgy, um, maybe more specific to what we were doing. Um, and so at Hospice de Rome, well, you know, I, I knew of the Grenachista uh, name, um, but there's an organization in France that is the Grenachistas that represent Grenache growers. Um, and I met the woman, Chenin Blanc, or Chenin Blue, uh, at Hospice de Rome. Oh. I was Nicole Rollet. Okay. That, that, that's her. Um, and I was chatting with her and saying, you know, I was kind of considering using it as a label. And, and she very graciously said, you know, if, if you make it yours, it's, you know, have it. Um, so I applied for the copyright and, uh, you know, made it happen. And uh, we designed the label. Uh, I'm a little artsy myself. So we, me and my stepbrother got together and we, we designed it out in 2015. And 
uh, had it ready for the 2016 vintage. Um, and it's uh, been successful. Um, and I think it really brings a focus to, to what I'm doing uh, rather than, you know, just my name. You know, everyone kind of has their name attached to something. And no offense, Peter. Um, it, <laughs> in some aspects, I didn't want that. I wanted it to be about what we were doing. So um, that's where we ended up. Yeah, and are you not doing the CR Graybell label anymore? I'm not. I mean, I still, you know, own it. Um, but And I reserve the right to maybe someday if I wanted to make other wines uh, that were not Grenache, uh, you know, use it. Um, but no, uh, it doesn't make sense to, to carry two labels for me. Uh, I think it dilutes what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, I wanted to stick with, with just the one. Uh, and it's helped a lot with branding, with, you know, brand recognition. And, you know, I just think it's cool. Yeah. No, for sure. And t tell people your Instagram handle so they can, as they're listening to the show, they can check out some of your posts because you hang out with some pretty uh, famous people. I do, man. You know, we, we live the life. Uh, my Instagram handle <laughs> is uh, at the period Grenachista. And, and I got to back up a little bit. That's kind of really where it all started is that that was the Instagram handle I picked in 2014. Um, and and I, I didn't remember that when I'm telling the story, but that's kind of where it all sprung out. It was like, well, duh, that's also a great name for a label. Um, if all I'm doing is Grenache, then that's perfect. Um, and yeah, I bought the web address, et cetera, et cetera. And here we are. Yeah. Hey, and it looks like we got the birthday boy in the house. Jeff Cohn, how you doing? Happy birthday. I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank you. Happy birthday, Jeff. Yeah. 85 years old today. Jesus, you don't look over 84. Uh, <laughs> but being 58, I don't look so great, right? <laughs> um, no, it's good to be on board. I'm sorry I was a little late. Uh, that's my fault. <laughs> so, yeah, what were you doing, Jeff? No, Sandra, that was literally was my fault. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I I realized that to have someone on, you actually have to send them a link to the show. <laughs> I, oh well, it happened. <laughs> and and I I had and then I ended up sending it to info at Jeff Cone Sellers, which probably well, someone, no, in his, but someone in his tasting yeah, room it, maybe I, was. I just got involved with some other stuff. Um, okay. I, but we did, we did have, I did watch the Chaputier uh, presentation, which I thought was interesting before this. Uh, so you had, a, you had a better date is what you're saying. No, 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 no. This is the best date in town right now. So, <laughs> right now. Plus I get to drink Grenache with you guys. Right. You guys yeah, have Grenache with you, right? I'm actually drinking Muga. So I've got a, a little uh, Grenache Tempranillo Rosé from Spain that I'm drinking. <laughs> Fear. Good for you. Good for you. Or well, it's drink. good to be on. It's good to be on. So. Yeah, and uh, Jeff, we, we already kind of <laughs> we covered everyone else's history. You've been on the show before, but tell us a little bit about, you know, why, why you love Grenache. Oh, you know, um, it's probably, without a doubt, one of the most seductive wines that are out there aromatically it just draws you in and then on the palate it's just always so full and rich and i think it really shows an expression of vineyard really really well when it's grown in the right place and i know peter you feel that way right yes i know you do <laughs> so i was telling who i was telling bart i don't remember was i talking to bart that uh i remember when you came over to rosenblum yeah. to to check out uh clones because yeah. Rosenblum was the first people to first uh, 
winery to use these new clones from Entov that were brought through John Caldwell and were own rooted. And uh, you, that's where you got your budwood from, I guess. Yeah, you had a big, uh, you had a big hand in kind of getting my project um, into the shape that it is today. Because at the time when I planted my field, I, uh, I really couldn't find the right plant material. I've been looking around and I, I knew I wanted to make a blend, a Rhone style blend. And uh, I, I was looking around, I didn't, I didn't really know what kind of percentages I would end up with in the field. I love Grenache from France, I love it from Spain, but I, uh, I, I wasn't happy with the wines I was seeing made in the US. And so I, I had planted to rootstock, which is a way of deferring the decision of planted and <laughs> and um so i think it was in the year 2000 i uh Je i was talking to jeff about it um you know i was working at ravenswood he's at rosenblum and we would anyway chat as colleagues all, all frequently he said that they had some great clonal you know trials from the increase flock um out there near davis i think it was winter okay. and uh for these clones 513 and 515. And I came over and tasted them and I was really wild. The color was spectacular. There were really high tannins. It was everything that, um, that the rest of the wines I was seeing from the US were not. You know, they weren't, they didn't have rich color and they didn't really have enough structure. So after that, I took my, um, I realized, okay, I can make a really solid Grenache. I was wine. I was thinking before I might go like one third each of three different varieties, but I ended up making my fields about eighty percent Grenache, and the balance is Petit Syrah and Carignan, the the two things I use to blend. Yeah, and so you know, it was Thank good. You. Oops, did I lose y'all. It was no. good when you came over because uh, you know, for me. Um, especially with, uh, it was a Viognier Guild, and then of course Hospice de Rhone, um, and meeting these other folks who are making these incredible Grenaches, and as you, Peter said, the Grenaches that I was tasting were not up, up to the same caliber, and having that opportunity to work with these clones um, that John Caldwell brought in, and, uh, and just working with Rosenblum, I knew that the potential there was great, and uh, having you grab that and knowing that, I think, is was key to uh, expanding um, everybody's Grenache um, goals. Uh, I mean, I know I have some suitcase, suitcase clones that I use also, but I do also use um, Entov selections. And Peter, what was it about the Grenaches that you had tried? That, were they just too soft and too light for you? Uh well, yeah, they were they were just weak. They did not have the kind of um. They 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 didn't have the structural components that you can hang a wine around, especially back in that era when wines had to be very dark to be to sell. Um, right. I mean, today you can the the world of American wine has changed to where you can sell wines that are paler in color. Um, as a serious wine, but in that time, in the year 2000, if it wasn't dark colored, it wasn't serious. Right. Peter, yeah. at the time, the time at Ravenswood, 
I mean, obviously Zinfandel was the majority of, or what you worked with, but did you have some selections of Grenache from, you know, places um, that you were, that you guys were making by themselves? We, we worked with um, some Grenache from out of Mendocino and even at full maturity, it was, I mean, just like dark rosé, let's say. Yeah, yeah. The berries were bigger, right? Yeah, bigger berries, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's the example of the older-fashioned bonal material. There were excellent examples. There was some stuff out of McDowell Valley Vineyard. I, I never worked with it, but I right. would them and see it. You know, that was great grapes. Um, uh, there was, was McDowell Valley what we now refer to as the Gibson Ranch? Yes. It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have, they have some material that came over in the 1800s, I think, from wow. grapes, the colonial material. And then there are other examples of old plant material like that. Um, right here in Sonoma Valley, there's some in the um, Oak Hill all, all, or right. Oak Hill branch. That, um, uh, but none of those none of those selections are enough to really make individual wines out of um or you know so that's why i was curious like you know um because it seems to me that there in sonoma here at least until you planted your vineyard peter and maybe when phil started getting some stuff in the lassiters had a small amount of all grenache block but there was very little around right anyone you know there's more at the um at, in the Bucklands in Old Hill Ranch, then you might know. I mean, Will has planted a block uh, devoted to Grenache. Will right. Buck and right. Peter Wellington um, had owned uh, a sizable block of Grenache that was, he didn't know where it came from, but it was, I thought it was about 100 years old. And it okay. was one. You know, the yeah. material out there, it just was few and far between. And, um, right. It definitely wasn't by certified virus free. And, right. and there was tons of stuff out in the Central Valley, which you know was just big berry also. Right. And, you know, I went to Fresno State, and that's what we had. These big plump berries. So, yeah. it made, it made Central Valley wine. <laughs> those clones from the Central Valley are just tragically awful. They're they're. they're they can be made into rosé, really. No. There's right. nothing. Even rosé is a challenge sometimes to get yeah. enough color. <laughs> it becomes, actually becomes a little brown in color. That's what yeah. I've seen. It oxidizes really fast. Wow. So. Hey, and, and Dave, uh, Sam would give me shit because it's taken me 37 minutes to get to it, but I'm a white wine drinker. I'm kind of curious how the Claret and Berbalonc are doing on your... Uh, on your property. Great, I, I bottled a 19 Claret uh, last year. Um, there's a learning curve involved. Um, it's more on the lower acid side, similar to maybe a Rousseau and Marsan. Uh, very late ripening, where Blanc is extremely late. I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> first of November kind of late. And if wow. I can get it to 22, it's uh, great. So I have to really, and that's 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 crofting me down to one plus per shoe. I couldn't realize what the productive course it was, but very, very uh, intriguing wine. 
uh, and Claret too. It, um, I had only had a few versions of Claret from France. Uh, can't say I've been wowed, but I didn't care. I wanted to plant it. I wanted to see how it would do here, dry free. Uh, it's, yeah. it's got this great, great uh, pear character, ginger, floral. Um, unfortunately, my fermentation went nuclear uh, during the power outages, so I didn't ferment it at the optimal temperature I wanted it to, but mm. it finished strong and um, no off character, so I, I went with it. I mean, I only bottled 100 cases. My wife and I'll drink that over the next year. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah um, how is Lana doing? Yeah, great. You know, we're just trying to navigate through this, you know, this reopening bullshit and trying to, you know, getting all the all the protocols in place to, for the people that we hope will even come out and go tasting again. We have no, there's no certainty that what people are going to do. Everybody's, oh my God, we're open, we're open. Well, yeah, but what if nobody's coming? You know, so there's just a lot of anxiety and this is just a miserable. I thought the fires were bad last year, but this is, this is weird. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it might be kind of a blessing to be not on the square for people to come to visit that maybe want to get out and see actual vineyards and space as opposed to hitting up a tasting room on the square. I don't know. I mean, just open space might be an attraction for some people. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much set up to do things outside before all this, so it won't be that different. Um, it's just like restaurants, we're all contemplating what, what's the confidence of, of, the, of the community to actually get out and do, you know, get back to usual or get back to tourism and whatnot. I mean, the restaurant industry is you know, this is very stressful for them, more so. Yeah, yeah, because you're pretty close to Healdsburg, which is kind of like Sonoma in a way with the square and um, uh, heavily, you know, you got a dense restaurant population going on there. So I imagine driving through there right now is, have they even started doing, um, what is outside um, seating? You know, I've heard that. I, I honestly, I have, I'll be honest, I've just been bogged down with vineyard work right now. This weather this month has been unbelievable for me. I don't, I guess I'm getting old, but the weather patterns are just totally off. I, anyways, I've just been, I haven't even been following that as much as I should have, I guess. Um, well, what's going on? What's going on out in the vineyard right now? Man, it's just been a roller coaster of, you know, February was like 80 degrees every day. Then it gets cool, and then this month we've had like these heat spikes, and then two days later it rains an inch and a half, and then we just can't. We just came off of two days of 102, and then it's supposed to rain again on Saturday. You're like, yeah. Mother Earth just hates us. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? So, well, she's supposed to be getting a break. I mean, this is supposed to be good for the planet, but uh, maybe she's still pissed. <laughs> is, is David is is Bloom? Anybody seen any Bloom going on out there? Anybody want to speak to that? Bloom is come and gone. Yeah, yeah. Come and gone. Come and gone. Yes. Yeah. We saw. I saw Bloom at the end of uh, February, which I, I honestly maybe in twenty years I've seen only a couple times. 
and wow. uh, I'm sorry, no, uh, bug break. <laughs> all running together right now. Um, but Bloom started first part of May, which again, it's like usually mid-May, end of May, but yeah, we're going to be picking early, early. I don't know. Mixed feelings about. Yeah. So Peter, what's what's business been like for you with uh, no restaurants? Because you pretty much sell. I mean, you're in you're in a fair amount of local places where you have a good buy the glass program, right? I am. I'm mourning the loss of uh, selling at the Girl in the Fig. <laughs> are they are they still were they still pouring the Grenache by the glass there? They were. They were. Yeah. They were pouring a lot of it. I don't yeah. know how you got that slot for so long. <laughs> well, that's uh, he, he's the cool. He's the perfect winemaker. He comes in and sits at the bar and has yeah, dinner. True. And then and then at Christmas he comes and drops off about twenty five cases of wine for yeah. everybody to have a bottle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I gave him a, a, a Valentine's Day present this year. <laughs> Yeah, that's when they were actually still all together. That was like yeah, yeah what, three weeks before four yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was yeah. a, You've been very generous with them. Yeah. Well, they've been very generous with me. They've been you, you and the the whole staff has been great supporters of all of us producers and certainly the Mathis uh, Mathis project. We really appreciate it, Donnie. Thank you. Oh God. Well, for I, you, I, sorry, go ahead, Sonny. No, you go. I was wondering for Jeff, for your tasting room, are you, are you going to be able to um, put some tables outside? We're talking about it. Um, we're going to start doing, you know, we can go inside also, as long as there's only one group at a time, from what okay. we've been told. So it's going to be a slow process. I it's don't be think learning that's process. true. I don't think that's true yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. Okay, yeah. You know, I really only have that little space in front of the tasting room, and I'd love to be able to do something in the back, but it's a parking lot. You so. can do something in the parking lot. So. You can, because right now, I mean, you can make, you can do something funky and cool, but right now the city has given permission to everybody in the city of Sonoma to go to their neighbors, their driveways, their parking lots, the alleyway between businesses, um, anything you can think of to add tables. Maybe Sam will let you have one or two tables on his patio. Yeah. Um, you know, but all you have to do is send a report to the city and they're pretty much letting people do it. And they're, I think, I, I don't know who's doing what with the ABC in regard to like the, um, I guess maybe I would have to do that. Just, but even they're being more lenient. They're like, yeah, you want to serve on the sidewalk? I'd, yeah. I'd rather ask for forgiveness later on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you even need to. But I know it's going to be, it's not the same, you know, no. pouring in a parking lot, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I mean, sometimes you're trying to pick up a little about that asphalt out of a wine and <laughs> might help bring it out a little bit. Yeah. That's what that 515 clone gives you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that might be my future at 16600 will be I'm going to get real tan. 
because I'm going to be outside. outside. I, I've heard He's that... He's not going to leave you in the sun. I'm sure I'll put a shade structure up. A, a tie-dye shade structure? Or a pop a tie-dyed <laughs> pop-up tent. Yeah. <laughs> umbrellas. 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 Yeah, we'll see. Hey, and Kate... Go ahead, Jeff. It's just going to be a challenge. It'll be different. We'll all get through it. And uh, I think we're just learning more about, you know, doing things differently and that we'll be able to use these new concepts for the future. Yeah. So Jeff, have, have you guys all been doing any uh, virtual tastings? Yeah. Peter, Peter, I've seen you doing, you've been posting videos. Yeah, I don't know. Marcia takes care of that, but yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we that. did. And yeah, Dave, Peter hasn't fallen back. We've, we've done them. We've done three so far, and we have one scheduled for, I think, June 20th. So. And was uh, Anne Charlotte involved in that as well? And Anne Charlotte was involved in the first one, and then we've been doing uh, uh, comparison tastings between two different types of wines, uh, um, you know, two different Zinfandels, and then we did a uh, camera, what we tasted the last time. Um, but it's been really good. Uh, sold a lot of wine because, you know, we, we tell them about it in advance and they're able to buy the wines in advance and then they join us and we taste alongside with them. That's so, right. great. Yeah. And Casey, how do, how do people get a hold of your wines? Like, are you pretty much direct to consumer and then have a few uh, local restaurant accounts or do you have distribution somewhere? Uh, I have a little distribution, um, a little from A and a little from B. I have some distribution um, and a amazing broker who works the North Bay for me, um, uh, all over the LA basin and, and uh, San Diego. Uh, lots of direct to consumer, um, and luckily I've done all right through this COVID situation, um, better than I anticipated. Um, and recently we've we've gone to some some wine clubs that have uh, helped move some inventory along. Uh, Gary uh, over in St. Helena just picked up a whole bunch of wine from us. And uh, Acme in St. Helena is also doing some, some amazing uh, online sales for us. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of DTC. Uh, just as everybody is, you know, the, the restaurant side of it, the buy the glass and the, the wholesale side is, you know, gone. Um, uh, and that's kind of problem. That's pretty problematic. Uh, but uh, um, things are rolling along. Uh, we're doing as well as we can. Yeah, it's weird. I I'm, I imagine when I do get back to work on July first, I don't anticipate buying any wine for a while because I've got wine that I bought that I was anticipating spring. You know, the pool and the spa and the restaurant. So I kind of stocked up on some deals and. Um, so I think coming back, it's going to be a, a little slow moving at the at the beginning. Yeah, you know, we do a couple pet naps that are usually gone. They're spring wines um, and usually gone. Uh, and it's kind of, they're still here because it's it's not, you know, they're not out on the shelf like it normally would be, um, which which is good because I've actually found that the, as they sit in bottle, they, they, they really kind of polish up and taste even better. But this is the first time in a while I've actually been able to try them and see, you know, after this late in the, the game, how they taste. Well, so you do a Grenache Blanc pet nat, and then do you also do one with uh, Grenache? I do, off, both off of Dave Mount's uh, 
uh, site there. Uh, and then actually this year we're going to make a paquette, which is going to be super cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Wait, a what? A what? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have to explain that one, Casey. Uh, piquette is French for tickling your tongue, which just sounds great, right? Um, it, it's a wine-like beverage uh, that is traditionally drunk by the field workers uh, in France. Uh, it's made from pumice. Uh, you soak, you pour some water in, in your pumice and uh, then ferment it. And it, it tastes like a lamber, like a sour beer. Uh, with really cool uh, fruit uh, aspects to it that you get from the from the grapes, you know, rather than grain or whatever you make a beer out of. Um, and there's only a few people making them, and I've tracked down every one of them that, that's out on the market and tasted them. And everyone, I've been like, this is really good shit. Um, All right, so, now I remember see I remember seeing your post about that, and I just didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, so we're gonna I'm going for it. Um, it's the new Petnat, uh, and. and I've been working on marketing, so I'm going to run this past everybody and tell me what you think. It's made from garbage. <laughs> right. Yeah. That should be yeah, a made high from garbage. point. That's a great tagline. Yeah. I think a George Costanza yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> Easy, okay. what, alcohol, what alcohol do they run at? Well, you know, I've been uh, running all these through the lab to see what the heck's going on. Um, and they range uh, from five to nine. Um, uh, very interesting. It tastes like a beer, yeah, and then I run the numbers, and it's a wine. Um, so it, it, it'll be pretty cool. It'll be interesting. We'll see how it you know it works or it doesn't. Um, but the ones I'm going to can it. No, um, I'm not going to have the volume to can. So uh, I, I'm trying to decide uh, between a 750 normal sparkling bottle or a 22 ounce. Um, but I can't find any 22 ounce flint, so it's probably going to end up in a 750. Casey, what about a 40-ouncer? That'd be – with a screw cap? I mean, that's, yep. that's not a bad idea. Um, gangster. That'd be gangster. Considering what the product <laughs> is. But um, I think that this year is going to be all about, like, let's see if we can do it. And if we can, we'll sell it. And then we'll start looking at, like, all right, how, how do we scale this up? I mean, that's a flavor profile that is definitely getting more popular, right? I mean, the natural wines um, and sour beers and kombucha, like people are wanting that a little bit more funky flavor. And, and I'm, I'm ready to, to give it to them. <laughs> now, now, I got a question, though. What do you pay, what do you pay for pumice? <laughs> that's the beauty of this. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm used to I drinking... Mean, I grappa made from pumice but that's like a byproduct so this is kind of a i mean is dave just shoveling this stuff into the back of your pickup truck well no you know you i know, know what my day job is compost pile you're welcome to. <laughs> i'm coming for you dave <laughs> Free well, for no, the facility that that i run um uh, pumice is not oh, a problem <laughs> right okay so there are some tricks and, you know and I don't want to give away all the secrets because I don't want to see Bart Hansen's piquette sitting on the shelf next year. <laughs> right next to my pet mat. <laughs> right. uh, next to my people dog. Right. It, it seems to work better with uh, white pumice because there's still some sugar there. Um, you know, red pumice is spent. There's nothing left. Right. So what are you using then, varietal? Uh, this is going to be all off of uh, my production. So it'll be, uh, okay. you know, 
three quarters Grenache Noir and North Coast because it'll be everything uh, and some Grenache Blanc. Super cool. So how, how would you keep that consistent as a, as a product that it would be the same never, right? No. <laughs> I, but I that's imagine. the never consistent that's the magic of it it tastes Jeff? great but never consistent correct you've got to keep your customers guessing <laughs> that's right what are you gonna get this time yeah you boomer <laughs> well, you, know, you, you are 84 you got to stay on the edge of right? this stuff especially with the way the wine business is going it's like you know i'm still going to make traditional wines um, but want to have fun and, and make some cool stuff and, uh, uh, you know, basically open up another door to people to come taste our, our more traditional wines. Yeah. And Casey, Casey, are you in Sonoma's Best? Um, I am not. Okay. Just, I, I was wanted to pick up all of you guys. I actually made a run to Sonoma today and went and picked up uh, our Hanson's vodka club or whatever and stopped at Gloria and picked up my wife's um, shipment. But then, but then I was like at a loss of getting wine. I'm like, I'm, I don't want to go to Sonoma market. I don't know if the panel is even open or if they're just doing curbside stuff. I, I have to admit that one of my lesser qualities of working in the wine industry is sales. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's, not, <laughs> it's just not me. So I rely a lot on my brokers and, you know, people to sell it for me. Um, and so that is why I'm, I'm not terribly well represented in Sonoma Valley itself, which sucks, but, you know, that's me. I, I think maybe the first time I tried your wine, <laughs> I, I think maybe Peter dropped off a bottle of your wine the first time I tried it at the Girl in the Fig. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> well maybe he was trying to get his money or he was going like take my wine yeah. you know try this shit <laughs> <laughs> I gotta admit that Peter's site is very interesting um, and when I first started buying fruit off of it I should have listened to him he knows knows the site and you know I was oh no I'd do it myself um, tannin management is an important aspect of, of fruit off of Mathis Vineyard and the first two years I bought fruit off of them, I extended mass rated it and I extracted as much as I could out of it. And I think Peter gave me the side eye, like, what the heck are you doing? And, and, and he was right. Um, so, the, the, you know, evolving as a, as a winemaker and, and learning things, um, I, I wish I would have listened to my elders a little better. But uh, uh, the cool thing about his side is I think our wines now are very different. Um, uh, I love Peter's wine. Uh, but we're, I'm just kind of in a different direction. And, and it's kind of cool to taste them side by side, which me and Peter have done before. Um, and uh, his site is an interesting place. It's a beautiful site. I mean, yeah. one, thing I, one thing I have to say is, and, and, and of course, this Peter also, is that we've done it so long that we've learned from our own mistakes that we try not to create the same mistakes over and over again. And we only obviously only have one time a year to do it. Um, but I think you probably feel the same way that you have one chance and you learn from it. Yeah. Well, Casey, were you even picking your fruit at the same time Peter was? Cause I know Peter, don't you pick like t 27 times? Don't you go through and you pick individual <laughs> vines or something? 
It depends on the vintage. It's really, it could be related to how, what, how, what kind of crews I can get into pick. So, okay. A crew from, uh, from Casey's winery related to the winery that he manages came and picked the grapes for Casey with flags on, uh, in the evening. <laughs> and and did, short answer is no. Uh, the first two years I would, piggyback with Peter uh, and I was deferring to his ultimate wisdom um, but as I've changed how I make wine I'm usually asking him to pick the Grenache Noir for my red wine when he's picking his rosé. Yeah or, or right in between the two yeah yeah yeah. Hey and Bart we haven't uh, we haven't talked about your Grenache if, if you even have Grenache. Um, so uh, uh, currently I have the wine you were speaking of earlier, the Valeria, the blend, which is a Grenache blend. Um, but I'm looking here hopefully in the next couple weeks to bottling my first Grenache off the Rossi Ranch um, up in Kenwood, which, uh, you know, I have a long history with that vineyard just in that when I first started the business, I used to go up and eat my lunch in the vineyard to get out of the winery. Um, and always just kind of fell in love with that old ranch. And uh, my original boss always wanted to buy it. So it's something that I've always known about, but the grapes were never available. And so I've, uh, I waited my turn and, um, and, I, and I picked up some fruit in 18 and 19 um, from up there. And so right now that is the Grenache that I'll be making. Um, and we'll probably just stay at that one, that one bottling, you know, one vineyard bottling right now. But didn't very, you have very a, excited about the wine. You had one from Juicy Creek, though, right? Didn't you have a? Yeah, I, I, I've uh, got some Grenache from the Lassiter's property when I worked there. Um, uh, they, uh, they had originally kind of thought that they wanted to make a Syrah-based wine, um, and Julie and I kind of pointed them a little, opened their mind to more Grenache. So uh, during that transition, going from a Syrah-based wine to a uh, a Grenache-based wine. There was some grapes available, and so I was able to buy them. That that went away very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Along, well, along with the job, right? Well, <laughs> they they were not uh, they were not related. They were not related. Well, oh, okay. I guess they were in that I I quit buying grapes. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but you still um, don't you still have some of that? I probably have four cases left. Oh, okay. Um, probably not really enough to sell. Todd Jolly has a couple cases down at Sonoma's Best. Um, it's tasting really, really good right now. I might um, have some even. Yeah, yeah. Is that no idea. Uh, yeah, uh, Sandra, Sandra, how much Sync One On are you s literally sitting on right now? Why, are you still trying to buy some from me? Maybe. <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, the, the wines are only good if you open them up. No, I know. John was like, when this whole thing started, he was like, okay, you have to get rid of the Synchronon now. I'm like, no, that's like the last thing I'm going to get rid of. You know, we'll be I've been back. having a lot of fun lately with my uh, Corvin. Oh, yeah. Oh, smart. Yeah. Right. He was yeah. on Vinues uh, with the... Um, Antonio Galoni, really yeah. kind of an interesting one if you get on YouTube and look at it. But oh, I will. Hey, I'm gonna start using my Corbin more, man. I've started exploring all these bottles I've been holding on. Yeah. 
that's yeah. a good idea. Well, I used it a lot when I first got it. You know, I always had like five or six bottles open. And then I don't know what I, I haven't even seen my, honestly, I don't know where my Corvin is right now. It's got to be somewhere in the house, but I think it's just because I'm polishing bottles off at a pretty rapid pace. No, an open bottle is a empty bottle. Right. I yeah, agree. pretty much. <laughs> Dane, Dane saw a Corvin on, I had it on the computer and he asked if that was um, how to uh, uh, pump up a basketball. He thought it was a basketball pump. <laughs> <laughs> You, I mean, you probably could, but that would be real expensive, Bart. Right. right. <laughs> All uh, right. Man. Well, Jeff, what are you doing for your birthday today? You're looking at it. I'm taking it easy, just relaxing. I went up to the winery already today, um, put the final blend together for uh, one of the Rock Pile Syrahs, and uh, – I wanted to come home and relax with my family. Uh, I I know Bart knows, but Alexandra had a bicycle accident, so she had, uh, uh, she just, broke her leg in two places and oh. dislocated her ankle. So she's she's laid up in bed. So, wow, was that was she like out on um, out on Warm Springs or Bennett Valley Road or something? I would love to tell you that she was doing something crazy like that, but she was on the streets in Alameda and made a turn on the road and it slid underneath her and she landed badly. So oh. <sighs> sorry to hear that. Jeff. Yeah. It kind of stinks. So she's going to be, uh, she goes in for her second operation on, uh, and June 4th and wow. then, uh, she'll be laid up for a while. And then they, uh, I think they're going to do another operation after that, after they get it stable. So, yeah. I, I mean, anytime a bone breaks in two places is, going to be a long uh, recovery i would think yep so yeah so that's what it's going to be after bottling i bought all the first and the second and the rest of the time I'll, I'll probably spend a lot more time at home because i haven't been doing that during coronavirus season yeah right <laughs> have you guys have you guys gotten any orders from uh from barry at bottle barn no really? i drive by there all the time it's still closed well, I, I know they're selling stuff online. I just didn't know what, what their business was like. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I have not, they haven't sent me any uh, emails or anything like that. So hmm. Kermit yeah. Lynch is constantly sending me stuff. So they're on top of it. Right. Yeah, that's probably the one place I miss the most other than going to work, um, which I actually enjoy, but is, uh, you know, going to Bottle Barn. That used to be my my jam when uh, I would drop my daughter off at swim practice at the JC and then head over to bottle barn and kill an hour. You always walk out with wine. I know that. Oh, that's right. I've run into you there before, <laughs> but <laughs> run into each other in the Rhone section. That's right. I, um, I, I exchanged an email with Barry from bottle barn recently. And he said, uh, things have been crazy with, um, with the bottle or, you know, the drive-by service. Uh, so they've been busy, um, but it's been a big adjustment to them, you know, pulling orders for people and, um, and, you know, bringing them out curbside. Um, uh, just before this all started, like I was literally had a case of wine in my car and I was delivering it up there and they were talking about things shutting down. And I, I called him and I said, do you really want this case of wine? And he was like, Nope. 
And I said, boy, what a bad wine salesman I am. I should have just dumped it and ran. But, yeah. um, but we've, been, we've been keeping in touch about that. And he just said they, they have been very busy, but they're going through a big adjustment. And then the biggest thing is they're having to add all these SKUs to the computer um, that weren't available online before. Um, and so it, it's, it's been a change for them, it sounds to me like. So, but he said they're getting caught up. I really feel bad for uh, places like that. And I'm pretty pessimistic about this whole thing about who can open and who cannot. And I mean, the fact that Costco and grocery stores have just blown through wine. Yeah. And Bottle Barn, they don't do tastings. Let's let them be open. I mean, liquor stores. So bad on this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Liquor stores are essential services but then uh, you're not allowed to hold aa meetings apparently so <laughs> kind of a kind of a weird thing that business is going to go up once this is over oh i bet it's going to boom right <laughs> a lot of people questioning themselves now <laughs> all right well you guys why don't you why don't you guys let people know how they can get a hold of your wine um peter are you um What's your, is it Mathis Wines or Mathis Winery? Mathiswine.com. Mathiswine.com. Okay. And you've currently got uh, the Grenache and then you got the Uber blend. And you said you are going to release the, you normally release your 19 Rosé like in like December 1st of the same year. What's going on? No, 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 no. I, I released it in the springtime sometime. And it's basically when the previous vintage runs out okay. so quite a bit of rosé in um uh into the 2018 vintage and with the coronavirus outbreak it didn't you know it's not sold all the way through yet right all i'm right, gonna well, release the 19. all right and i encourage people to get a hold of that wine i really i really love the wine and it, it you put a lot of thought into your rosé and i won't make up any more stories about cork imparting flavors or anything like that but um but I know you do put a lot of thought into your rosé. It's not just a, a thing that you do as a quick turnaround or something to make money. Um, it's, you actually want people to drink it and enjoy it, whether it's cold or uh, warmed up a little bit. True, true. I, uh, we drink a lot of uh, rosé in the house here, so it better be good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We go through about 20 cases a year in the Mathis household. Wow. That sounds like my house, Jeff. <laughs> what does Nina drink? She drinks a lot of rosé. Oh, okay. I thought there were 20 cases with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, I mean, we have house guests, too, so it's, it's not all of us. <laughs> and Casey, people just go to uh, uh, Grenachista.com? That's true. Um, I mean, if you... you search for us google or whatever your search engine of choice is uh you type in the Grenachista and we'll be there um uh, or my my shopify which is also linked through the uh web page um and if uh, you're interested in Grenache, that's all we got um, and people can buy one of those hats too you can buy the hats they're on the the website as well we have we got swag galore. We got T-shirts and bumper stickers and shopping bags. And <laughs> I gotta get myself a bumper sticker. You know, I I never put bumper stickers on my car because I don't know why. It just was one of those things I never did. But now that I've like bought a car and and 
don't owe money on it or whatever. I'm, I really want to throw a bumper sticker on my car now. That would be a good one. They're supposed to go, they're supposed to go on your beer fridge. Right. Well, we, we have the new ones with the Grenache Gorillas as well. And if, if you're really interested, we have uh, car skins where we can do the whole car. So, you know, whatever you want. Wait, are you serious? No. Oh. <laughs> I can see you driving around in that thing, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, people no, easy to get in touch with me, jeffconesellers.com. And we have, we have the El Diablo Grenache. That's the Grenache that I got from the Valdez family. Um, Russian River. That's uh, Budwood that was brought over from John Alban. And then uh, I do a, a GSM called the Miscellaneous Stuff, um, which is Grenache from El Diablo. The Syrah is from Rockpile. And the Maved was from uh, Alta Colina Vineyard down in Paso Robles. Oh, nice. And then we have the GSM Rosé called Iris. So a sparkling rosé, um, Method Champenoise, which is uh, it's tasting quite nice. I know uh, Saunders had it plenty of times, so yep. it tastes good. So it's been fun. It's been fun making those wines and sharing them with everybody. Yeah. So. Well, Dave, uh, how can people reach out to you guys? Uh, you know, Long is the best contact, mountswinery.com. Uh, we have our 17 Grenache out right now. Like I said, I incorporate some more bed and robins. I've got lots of Grenache up the ranch. And then I do a kitchen sink of all the varieties I grow, mostly at DSM, but I have some Cinso, some Bakary, some Red, some Kulas uh, in there. Um, I did just this gorge. I've, I've been doing a sparkling program since 13 and I just discovered my 13 and 14 uh, a few weeks ago and uh, brought it home. So I haven't discouraged and corked. I haven't labeled it yet, but it's pretty tasty. Casey, I think, likes it a little bit. My wife loves it. <laughs> so yeah, just, uh, and then my, all my different whites that I do, they're online. Yeah, and Dave, I don't know that you and I had ever met face-to-face. -face. I was used to seeing your wife when I would go to events. She's usually the – was the person that was pouring the wines. I met you a couple times. It, it had it clicked uh, the first five minutes I got on this thing, who I was talking to. So I – Okay. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was always begging her to pull out the pick pool from whatever, whatever bag she had it in under the table. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, peak pool, I'm getting too old, I guess. Whatever. It's just, I'm not a fan of peak pool. Yeah. It's a bastard of a grape to grow. There's three things that, that determine whether or not I keep a grape in the ground. And that is, does it get mildew, does it sunburn, and does it rot? Peak pool does all three things. <laughs> the trifecta. Claret does not, so it stays. Right. Or blank too. <laughs> All right, and um, um, Bart, this show will be out tomorrow, so the 29th. People, if they want to do the third virtual tasting uh, for the winemakers with uh, Dane Sellers and 16600, can they still get those wines shipped out? Yeah, I mean, it, here locally in California on the West Coast, probably the best choice or best chance. Um, but, yeah, th there's there's still time to get uh, to get the wine. So, uh, the, the wines are Sam's 17 Moon Mountain Sauvignon Blanc 
and 2012 Zinfandel. And for me, we're doing a 2014, no, 2012 Chenin Blanc, which is tasting just crazy good. Um, I'm just mystified by it. And then well, did you, did you, sorry, I was going to, did you notice Zinfandel from 2017? So yeah, the, the, the one that hasn't been released. And then did you notice on the food pairing for the, for the Shenan that I did a, a chicken dish with sherry in it? Yes. So I did notice that. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Just anticipating a little oxidized flavor from the wine, possibly even if it's been open for a little bit and thought, It'll be kind of cool to do a dish with sherry, and then that'll kind of bring the fruit out of the wine. So I'm kind of yeah. excited to make that one myself. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks good. I um, uh, so so yeah, we still have room for that. It's been really fun doing these virtual tastings with all the podcast listeners and and just you know other people that are just into the wines, and so it's been awesome. Really been yeah. awesome. All right, Sandra, I'm giving you the last word. Well, I love all you guys. I love you guys. You're amazing. Can't wait to celebrate with you. Hopefully in September we can actually have a Grenache day. Uh, Let's hold on. Let's nail you down for this. You last year, was it last year? You said you you were out of town, right? I was out of town. So what about this this year? year? This year it is on the 18th of September. I have it in my thing that we're having it. Okay. I'm not announcing it yet to the world because I don't want to have to cancel it. But <laughs> I definitely have it scheduled at Sweet D. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think we'll be ready for a big celebration just to drink. Grenache. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I can't yeah, wait for you to... You can open up those Manfred Crankle wines while we're there. Jeff... Great minds think alike. I I usually bring one of those every time. Yeah. But there's only like 25 ounces. So only like 25 people can have an ounce. But actually, no. Only 13 or 15 because I drink a whole glass first before I share. (laughs) I mean, listen, there's there's a nice little group. There's only seven of us here. Come on. (laughs) All right. Maybe I'll put it out. Oh. Would you? How much would you guys pay to go to a Synchronon tasting dinner? Wait a minute, what? Well, I'm just asking. I just want to know if it would be worth opening four or five bottles and doing a dinner. Okay. With just Why the not? seven of us? <laughs> Are you talking well, about just us then? I don't know. Can you afford it? <laughs> well, that's um, just it. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what would that dinner cost? Is well, I don't. A, I don't know. I think. I think. Is it a five hundred dollars? Like how mean, much I, would you pay? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. Well, think about it. And let me know. Okay. You All know? right, but it, but I, I'm not paying two hundred bucks, and then your servers come around with the little measured pour thing on the thing. <laughs> No, we're um, going to um, use the Coravan. We're going to no. use the Coravan. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to be one of these guys. Keep pouring. Keep yeah. pouring. Right. Pour. Well, Keep pouring. It Hit just me. depends on how much I, you're willing I didn't to get pay. To this one yet. Two, 200 bucks. You're not even getting in the door, I don't think. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right. That's that's why I was asking. I think I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, if it's if there's 18 people times 20 i don't i don't think even that's enough 
I think it's interesting, you know, the vintners and growers are doing this thing with Vinius, the Moon Mountain tasting. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's $500. 600 Mark. I did, I did it last year. I didn't pay that much money. No, no. This is the, this is, this is all. Six bottles of well, Moon Mountain wine. Yeah. Oh, because you get a whole bottle. Because you get the whole bottle, six hundred dollars. But wow. but think about think about. I mean, I know we're talking about Corbin, but think about opening up six bottles like that. You know, and it's not like I guess maybe by June fifth you can invite a bunch of your friends over and all do it together, right. or you just do it anyway. But I I don't know. It's it's out of my range, you know. So. Yeah, me too. I looked at it and said, "Boy, I wish I wish I had six hundred bucks to spend." But right yeah no i could I, I i could drink the 16600 cab probably for a little bit cheaper than 100 bucks but all those other ones kids. i got two kids in college i ain't doing that yeah <laughs> yeah dave's gonna be my plus one for this sink one on dinner sandra i'll <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys well thanks for joining us on the show we do appreciate it thank you all our so listeners. Happy oh no! Happy birthday, Jeff. Hope you have a yeah, good day. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Jeff. Hope you still be celebrating again. Yeah, Peter. Good to see you. I think the last time I saw you was when I popped in the fig after work one night, and you and Nina were sitting at the bar there, it's, and that was obviously before this shit went went down. So, yeah. always nice to see your face. Good to hey, see everybody. Hey, Peter, have you built it? Right. You, Jeff, Dave, Sandra. Love Good. you guys. JT, I see you all the time. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys, you can always go to slash the winemakers. If you want to um, get the wines for the virtual tasting, you can go to danesellers.com or winery16600.com. Um, but do it fast because this is Friday and we're going to need to get you that wine. Sandra, I'll be talking oh, to you wait, soon. One, Tomorrow. One, one last yeah. thing. One last thing. This is to add, this is to the Podfather. Ed, the pour at the beginning, it's a long pour, man. It's like a 20-ounce pour. So I'll just oh. leave it at that. You guys will listen to the show, and you'll know what I'm talking about. That's, See you guys. Thanks. That's a big boy pour. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking yeah. to you.